You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to entitle this Creating and Demonizing America's Enemies. And what gave me an idea to do this program was an event last week with my Muslim friends observing the Day of Al-Quds. Al-Quds means a day of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is one of the three holy cities in Islam. And they were standing in Tempe, Arizona, and, and we hold these truths, and our signs were there with them, and uh, the, many of the participants were um, holding our signs, the typical signs that we have, choose life, not war, blessed are the peacemakers, who a Jesus mom, innocent blood on our hands, Gaza and no more wars for Israel. And so after thinking about that, there wasn't a very big crowd, but we've seen, of course, in the over 25 years since the fall of communism, a demonization of Islam and Muslims, and it's continuing to this very day. We'll talk about that a little bit. But as a way of background, I wanted to talk about a very significant paper that was written by Chuck Carlson in December 26, 1990. This was a letter written to his fellow Baptists. Chuck was a deacon. Is that right, Chuck? You were a deacon? Yeah, Southern Baptist. Southern Baptist deacon. And so this article that Chuck wrote was entitled, Iraq, Americans Prep for War. I just wanted to read just a little bit. Again, this was written in 1990. Quote, while President Bush, now this is George Herbert Walker Bush, the senior, if you will, while President Bush agitates for war, the institutional press is openly waging a hate campaign directed at Muslims. Another example of brainwashing Americans with the idea that life is cheap and the government should not be questioned when it uses human lives as chess pawns ignored by the press and the lives of those on the other side. We are supposed to think we are in Desert Shield to punish dictator Hussein, but no one mentions that it will not be he who suffers from sanctions and war, but the widows and orphans of the thousands who are left mutilated and destitute, just as the Afghan families were destroyed by the Russian invasion. Mr. Bush is unashamedly selling war, but never does he discuss the consequences of war, which are death and misery. Christians are also being taken in by the war scheme, based on the erroneous idea that believers are yoked to the modern Zionist nation of Israel, and that, since all Muslims are considered enemies of Israel, anything we do, or the Israelis do, to the Muslims, no matter how cruel or inhumane, is not only okay, but in some inexplicable way, the will of God. I recently heard a Sunday school leader say, quote, 
Didn't God use the Israelites to wipe out entire populations in the Old Testament? Maybe he is using us to rid the world of Arabs, unquote. Christians are also being subtly programmed to think of the Muslims as subhuman, just as we are supposed to think of unborn children as non-babies. I will not be surprised if George Bush, Herbert Walker, who is prepared for and demanding the pagan slaughter of thousands, will soon be telling us we must join in a holy war against the Muslim people. And then he concludes, May God forgive us if by our inaction we allow genocide against Muslim women and children and the sacrifice of even one of our own children. The average Christian could not even tell you the name of the deposed king of Kuwait, Emir Shaikh Isra Alham al-Jabbar al-Sabah, or provide a single reason why we should sacrifice the life of one American boy to put him back into power. If you agree with even a small part of what I have presented, please write to your congressman, unquote. And that was written December 26, 1990. So that's really turned out very prophetic. And, of course, as a result of that first war, we saw at least a half a million children die because of the sanctions on Iraq, no-fly zones, and then, of course, the George W. Bush, the Sons War in 2003, continued the killing, and at least a million and a half people have been killed in these wars, plus three or more million that have been left homeless. So it has been a continuous example of our war-based economy on the Muslims. And then we also note that we need credible enemies. One of the things that the United States needs, and we've seen this over the years, from, for example, the uh, Japanese in World War II, where we actually provoked them to attack us, and President Roosevelt actually withheld information from the uh, Pacific Fleet about this. Plenty of evidence that this had been exposed, the plot by the Japanese to attack us. So we needed a credible enemy, and of course the only way we would have gotten into war back then was if we were attacked, and of course that worked beautifully. And so the program has really not changed much. The players have changed over the years. But for the last over 25 years, we've seen the Muslims, the Islamic world, the brunt of this war machine that we have here in the United States. So, Chuck, why don't you weigh in on this and and give us maybe some updates, why you wrote the letter originally, and what we're looking at now. Really, was delivered to most of the activists in the Southern Baptist Convention who I could find. That was why I wrote it, was because uh, I noticed that the Southern Baptist Church where I served and attended was actually doing nothing to warn people about the coming war. And though we discussed it in men's meetings and things like that, uh, nobody thought that we had any business interfering with it. And it caused me to really start looking at what was wrong with churches, especially churches that would fit into the category of dispensational churches, such as the Southern Baptist Church, which we now have started to call the neo-Christians, and some of them call themselves the Christian Zionists. So that was the reason for the letter, and it was the start of, of a lot of things that have gone on today, and, and nothing has changed too much, unfortunately. 
But uh, we've seen this conditioning for war uh, in the case of the Bush days with uh, Senior Bush. It was basically focused on Saddam Hussein. He was the most criminal animal in the world. And we basically were going after the uh, Muslim people in Iraq, primarily because Saddam Hussein was so bad. That was kind of how it was sold. The sophistication of that has improved a lot now. And we now have focusing on Muslims in all kinds of ways and vilifying them everywhere. And I just ate in an Arab restaurant in downtown Denver. They had a little sign on the door of this Arab restaurant, Stop Profiling Muslims. And it, of course, is run by there were three Muslim ladies in the restaurant when we walked in. So today, Muslims are very conscious of being profiled, and of course they are. And that, that Tom, I think, is why you're so much appreciated when you go and check into the Sunni mosque and talk to those people and help them out with their projects and encourage them. And I think it's just great what you did uh, last week going to these events that you went to, several of them. Uh, that you've gone to recently, and you should tell us about those events. Well, actually, it was the Shia mosque that I went to, but I tried to ask one of the Muslims what the difference between the Shias and Sunnis, and I I can't really tell you exactly. But anyway, in the U.S., there's not a problem between the Sunnis and Shias. It's probably more of a cultural thing in these in these other countries. We see this in the manifestation of uh, ISIS. And, of course, we know that ISIS's reaction to our war on terror. And, of course, this war on terror was designed to never end. So there's always going to be more people that are fighting us, and uh, we're seeing this even now. But one of the things in talking with these people that I find interesting, it's much easier for me to talk to a, a Muslim about a lot of these issues. They know I'm a follower of Christ. They want to know why Christians believe what they believe and why there's so many different beliefs and why some believe that the modern state of Israel is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy where they almost literally uh, worship them. And, of course, you mentioned the Southern Baptists. Well, the Southern Baptists, they have like 15 million members. is probably the number one Christian Zionist neo-Christian sect in the U.S., and their Richard Lamb in 2003 or 2002 signed a letter. I don't know if he penned it, but a number of evangelical Christians sent a letter to George W. Bush, then president, and they said that a war against Iraq, the second war that was started in 2003, would be justified by their reading of the Bible. And so... Tom, to interrupt... The Baptist Church has about 15 million members now, but back in 1990, when I wrote the letter that we read previously, it had 21 million members. So the Southern Baptist Church has been losing membership at a very rapid rate, and probably because of their entrenchments and their inflexibility in a lot of respects. And I think it's a very good sign that the biggest Zionist church in the world is losing membership very, very fast, and really they're quite alarmed at their loss of membership. Another thing, Chuck, that is encouraging, a friend of ours who is an Arab, he's a Palestinian, he's the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Phoenix, and he was at the recently convened 
Southern Baptist Convention in St. Louis, and his church is a small church, but he's on some committees, and one of the things that was being presented was a resolution in favor of Israel, backing Israel to the General Assembly there, and so our friend Jamal Bashara actually got up and spoke out against it and saying that this was not what a Christ follower should be doing, but should be, you know, an equal treatment to both sides there. And he did get a round of uh, applause. Another person from academia got up and spoke against it too, but it went ahead and uh, was passed. However, he also sent me some information. One of the state delegations in Illinois, at their convention, it actually passed a resolution supporting the Palestinians. So there is a, a movement inside the Southern Baptist Convention, which is very encouraging to us, plus this, what Chuck just mentioned, they're losing membership. So maybe they will eventually catch on that they need to fully represent what Christ taught us, love your neighbor as yourself, and uh, love even your own enemies, and of course, blessed are the peacemakers. If you uh, listeners are wondering how you get to know a Muslim, a good way is to go by any mosque on Friday afternoon, about the time people get off work, and uh, knock on the door or walk in and take your shoes off, please and ask them if uh, you'd be welcome to stay. And they'll always invite you to stay, usually for dinner. So Friday night is a big worship night with them, and uh, it's easy to get acquainted. They're delighted to have anyone come by. Every mosque I've ever been in has, has been that way. I've never seen an exception. So I would double that, Chuck. I've always been treated just super kind. They've even let, let me talk, and you've talked in a number of mosques because they really don't understand the um, actions of Christians. We mentioned earlier, we need enemies. And, of course, one of the newer enemies that we're bringing into the forefront is Russia. And we've seen a demonization of Russia and Ukraine. And there's all kinds of things where we're indicting Putin and the Russians. And one example here just recently the Syrian army and the Russian uh, military actually freed in Syria Palmyra, which is the site of some very significant historical antiquities there. And as it turns out, this was being held by ISIS for about 10 months, and they had their main office right in the administration amongst these antiquities, And so they pretty well isolated themselves from being attacked. They did disfigure and deface a lot of the statues inside, but they didn't destroy it. And so when the Russians and the Syrian army finally took hold, this was back in March, they found out through some intelligence that the ISIS group had actually booby-trapped all these, and they exposed and neutralized over 4,000 bombs that were going to detonate, literally wipe this historical antiquity site off the face of the map. And then to show how this kind of thing goes to the point where Russia gets demonized, just recently a important archaeologist in Germany accused the 
Russians and uh, Syrians of looting after they've just secured and uh, are protecting these antiquities. So the demonization uh, continues. It gives justification to people that, like Chuck said, Christians have been uh, basically hoodwinked into the idea that we have to support these wars, that it's not patriotic if they don't. And so they literally turn their back on the teachings of Jesus. I was just looking into previous history. There's a lot of documentation about wars are planned. There's a video called All Wars Are Bankers' Wars, and that's a real good one that kind of shows that money is a big driver, and wars are very profitable, going all the way back to uh, the Rothschild in one of the French and English wars. The Battle of Waterloo is where it goes back to that, that war became very profitable for the bankers, and so they started fomenting, and from that war, the Rothschilds learned to fund both sides of a war. They learned that getting governments in debt in war is very profitable. I'm not sure what's happened. We're in debt because of the wars. Mm-hmm. Yes, and they've done it so scientifically because, as we know, if government came to us, say in 2003 and said uh, okay everybody uh, all families are going to need to uh, we need to fund this war against uh, Iraq and so we need $10,000 from every family but we'll let you do it on an installment and you only need $1,000 down well I think maybe the results would have been different we would not have gone to war but of course that's not how this mechanism works of course, our central bank, the Federal Reserve System, which is a privately held cartel bank that literally prints money out of thin air. So we've got this mechanism that it seems it's not being challenged like it should be. And so there are little voices like ourselves that are saying, hey, the emperor has no clothes. Somebody check and see if we're actually right on this. And we hope that Maybe you'll think the same thing and do a little checking on your own. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.